0: What is up and welcome to the Revival Podcast. I am your host, Jack Gallego, creator of Revival by Jack, aka the best protein cookie you will ever have in your life. Don't believe me. Give it a try for yourself by heading to revivalbyjack.com. I have a plethora of creative passions for all things health, fitness, food, and business. So in this podcast, I bring you episodes from myself and many other amazing guests that are going to help you gain clarity and confidence in your power to be and live the intuitive life that you freaking deserve. Something I have learned over this last year is that no matter what your background may be. There is nothing more empowering than hearing someone speak in their own power about their own craft and give you their own real unscripted stories. So let's get right to it. In this podcast, I had the amazing opportunity to talk with Christina Sullivan all about her come up from working at TJ Fridays where she hustled and met the love of her life to becoming an online fitness coach and to now teaching online fitness coaches. One of the main things I can tell you about Christina is that she does not sugarcoat shit. (laughs) She is known for always giving her raw, honest perspective. So if you are not into just gassed up positivity boosts, this is going to be a podcast that you will thoroughly enjoy. (laughs) And also, if you are in the position of struggling between how to make your hobby or your passion into your full-time career, this podcast is going to be just what you need because making that leap is really fucking scary making that leap into entrepreneurship is really really freaking hard and we talk all about what is really holding you back and how you need to think how you need to feel and what you can do to pivot so that you can get to that next level and just freaking go for it so i really hope that you enjoy this episode and let's get to it but um yeah thank you so much for coming oh, on yeah. i'm so excited i feel like there's just things first off that i want to know about you and things that of course, yeah. your audience would love to hear um, and just learn about you as well. And so, I just want to start with you getting into fitness. Like, what made you get into fitness?
1: Yeah, this is not the podcast, right?
0: Um, this is. Or
1: should I go? Okay, I'm going. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it's. I so mean, I it cannot be like it, it. Just be, yeah, just casual. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna, <laughs> um, no, I. So what made me get into fit?
1: I was never like I played soccer growing up, but I never like loved sports, loved fitness. Like it was never a fit. Thi- like I actually people. It's crazy thinking back to my fitness journey. Like even back in high school, like people always assume like oh, you have a lot of muscle. You must have like really been athletic growing up. I would skip gym class every single day. I would on purpose, like forget my gym clothes and, oh, I have a stomach ache. Like I would just skip gym. I hated everything exercise. I only played soccer because my friends played soccer. So it was like the mm-hmm. cool thing to do. Um, and then I, so long as my, my life, I always say, um, it should be a lifetime movie. There's a lot about me, Jack, that you don't know that I think <laughs> really, really shock you, but I'm not going to take up too much time because it's, it's quite the, I went down quite the path. Um, but long story short, I, my very first relationship, um, was my first like real relationship was in high school, ninth grade. We dated from ninth grade all throughout high school up until my, um, second like halfway through my second year of college. And, um, it was a five or five, six year relationship in total. And, um, for the only the first year of our relationship, um, was like the good year and um it started to get abusive and I was I don't have a father figure um so I didn't really know what it looked like to treat a woman right and I just like wanted like him to like me really bad and I was, and this was
0: in ninth grade right
1: this was yeah he started hitting me in um grade it was like our first I don't know exactly you know when it was I remember the first time he hit me like it was yesterday but um it was like our first year was good and then like starting if I can remember it was like. 10th grade on got extremely abusive and I just kept it the biggest secret not one person knew um, I just would always ask him like pretend like you love me pretend like you like me just like let's pretend here my mom my family nobody knew um, and so that was like very traumatic and um, we separated my uh, sophomore year of college because um you know the police had to get involved he was trying to it was a drunken night and he was trying to kill me, let's just say. Um, it was a, it was just intense. And so after that, I was in college, I just started partying, numb everything. I just didn't know, like after, you know, the only reason my mom found out about him hitting me was because the cops were at my house um, at like two o'clock in the morning and me having to call her, she had no idea this was even going on or had, had been being like such a consistent thing. And that kind of threw my life like a whirlwind because everybody thought that we had this great relationship. And then the police report comes out in the paper and everyone found out the real truth about what I was hiding behind closed doors. And Mm -hmm. so I really got heavily involved with drinking and partying in college every single night of the week, Um, getting black out completely every single night. I was very unhealthy. I was literally only drinking Red Bull. Sugar free Red Bull, um, no water, and eating McGriddles at like 4 a.m., mozzarella sticks, and Slim Jims was literally my diet. I'm not kidding you. So I was very unhealthy. I got mono. I dropped out of school because I had mono. I was like falling asleep in class, but I was making partying still a priority. So all throughout having mono, I was still going out every single night, just very, very unhealthy. And um did that for a couple years and a lot of other stuff went on that like isn't relevant so I'm not
0: even going to go down that path we'll do a whole nother podcast just on your biography <laughs>
1: oh it's I literally need a lifetime movie it's, it's you won't even it's crazy but so what got me into fitness I just kind of wanted to preface with the fact that like I really truly like people look at me thinking like oh I must have had to have been this fitness person my whole life mm-hmm. and truly that's not it I had a very bad relationship with food incredibly crutched on alcohol and fat food and then I worked at a restaurant um, TJ Fridays where I met my now husband and he was the fitness guy and he would he would always come into work in his like clothes and having to change and I would just be like oh like well if he is into fitness like I guess maybe I should start getting into fitness mm-hmm. So after we started like dating a little bit he would take me to the gym and I was petrified of the weight so I would just stay on the elliptical for the whole entire time he was weightlifting. Him weightlift, and I was just too scared. And the reason (laughs) I got into weights was because at TGI Fridays we were able to wear yoga pants. Well, we weren't supposed to, but we did anyway. So we were wearing yoga pants, black yoga pants, and all the boys would talk about the girls' butts. And I I really wanted because you know I knew that the guys were talking to my new boyfriend about the butts of the girls. I wanted. So I was like, what do I have to do to like make my butt bigger? So he was like, you need to get under the barbell and squat. And I was so intimidated, but I just tried it anyway. And I yeah, do it for the booty. <laughs> I really, truly, I was like, no bitch, Can I swear on this or no.
0: Yeah, I don't care.
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I can't literally, it's like a second. Like, yeah. Uh,
0: I always I make like my mark explicit. Good, especially with this
1: episode. I'm just passionate, you know. Yeah. Um, but so the butt is really because I was a jealous, you know, wanted only his eyes on me with the biggest butt at TGI Fridays in <laughs> upstate New York. I started squatting, and then um, I honestly think because of all the traumatic things that I went through in my life, going through years of being abused uh, mentally and physically, I really use the weights to just be my therapy and kind of like create, this sounds bad, but this is like the only way I can verbalize it. It's almost, it was almost like creating a sense of pain for myself to let go of all that internal pain because like that muscular pain and pushing through those heavy weights and like just kind of like the mental that goes into weightlifting really I don't know. It just really helped me become a stronger person. So that was really how I got into fitness was meeting someone that I was interested in that was in fitness and wanting the best butt <laughs> at my job.
0: <laughs> and how old were you? Like what time, what time frame was that? I was 21, 22. So- I would say,
1: I would say probably 22 was when I started like starting to just begin lifting. And mm-hmm. I am
0: 28 right now. I had to gotcha. think about that. So it's also been like six years in the making. Yes. And yeah, do, exactly. did, did he notice the, with the yoga pants? Oh, he
1: did. He <laughs> told me he was, and that I didn't even need to wear my butt. I already had a nice butt, but you know, but like that's just him buttering me up. But he did. He did notice those so squats worked.
0: That's amazing. And then so y'all, you said that was in New York. So then y'all moved to Florida.
1: Yes, I am from upstate New York and um, from the Albany area. And he is from Long Island. He went to school at University of Albany. And that's how mm-hmm. we met. And, um, like three years into our relationship, he got a job in Florida and I quit my job. I was just like a little, you know, just bullshit desk job. Uh, I quit and I was actually born in Florida. I don't know if you know that I was born in Miami oh, my yeah. parents and then I, I've grown up in New York though. I was in New York from three to 20, you know, 23. So I don't really, you know, New York is like where I grew up.
0: I gotcha. And then, so when you started fitness, what made you keep doing it? What what, what was it for you that it wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay. I got a nice, but I'm done. Like it actually, it was, you kept with it.
1: It was really the, okay. So the reason why I think I really stuck with it was I went to this gym, this new gym. And the very first day, this woman trainer came up to me asking me, and this was, oh my God, this was when I didn't even know what a competition was. This was, I honestly don't even remember like, 2014, maybe. I don't really even know. Um, I probably around 2014, she asked me if I ever thought about competing and I didn't even know what that meant. And she was like, okay, well, have you ever thought about having a trainer? You have muscle structure and whatever. And I was like, you know what? I think that'd be cool because I have no idea what to eat. And so I got a trainer pretty early on into my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, cause I, I felt like I knew how to work out. I just really wanted to know how to eat because I wasn't eating. I was eating, I was drinking wine every night and eating pasta and just like being a normal 22 year old, you know, mm-hmm. not really like blessed with my metabolism and everything. Um, but seeing the changes in my body after I started to eat better and you know, it a meal plan. Um, this was before I knew what macros was. Um, but it real, after seeing that I was able to get abs, uh, this trainer had me on this protocol for at ab- to get abs. And I, for the first time saw my body changing when I was lifting weights more so than, like I told you, I was a cardio bunny spending mm-hmm. 45 to an hour on the elliptical. So seeing my body change from lifting, so much different than like just being on the, the cardio equipment was really what motivated me. I was like, oh my God, how far can I take this with, with lifting? So it was just like just addicting to see the change. And what did you do at that
0: time? Like as a career?
1: I was a customer service representative. So like on the phones for an insurance company, on the phone call center, hated, I would cry every day before work. So I was doing that as well as working at Fridays. I worked seven days a week.
0: Okay. And then, so what was it for you? When did you start looking at fitness as not just a hobby, but like transitioning it into like, okay, I could like move this into a job. Like I would want to make a career out of this.
1: Yeah. So well in New York, in upstate where I'm from, in upstate New York, the Albany upstate, know area. Um, I'm from a, very small town in that Albany area. And fitness was not a thing. My friends didn't work out lift literally like mm-hmm. no, I could relate to nobody. And so once I moved to Florida, that's when I started, it was just like a whole new world. It's so much more prevalent down here. And after moving to Florida, I was just like, This is awesome. I really started to get more in tune with my supplements and my nutrition and learning about macros. And um, once I really was like, you know what, maybe I want to start doing this on my own, was when people at my job were asking me, like, what am I eating? What are, why are you carrying around a gallon of water? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of, I would always, always, even in New York at my, at my job, I was really the only one that meal prepped and brought Tupperware of a food. Um, and so people would just always ask me what I was eating. And I was just giving away so much free knowledge. And I was geeking out over fitness and nutrition, all the things. And I just listened to every podcast I could get my hands on. Uh, and this was, I was listening to podcasts before podcasts were like a thing. Like I would listen to the Lane Norton podcast back when he had one like forever ago. Mm -hmm. And I would just do so much research and take, I had a whole notebook of notes and it started first when people would ask me, you know, what I'm doing for myself. And I would give them free advice. They would tell me how much they, how better they felt. And I'm like, wow, I would love to help other people do the same.
0: Mm-hmm. And guide them like through the entire process rather than just like, oh, yeah, here's this, here's this, here's this.
1: Exactly, yeah. Because my fitness journey, it wasn't all just like, oh, I started lifting weights, my body looked amazing. Like, I went through so many like peaks and valleys of being a huge, like, after I found macros, I hired a very well known coach on social media that people definitely know. They have millions of followers, and it's a husband and wife duo that, um, basically started my, is the reason why I started binge eating because their meal plan was so restrictive. Like for example, one meal that they gave me was one cup of raw spinach with one tablespoon of balsamic vinegar. And that was supposed to be a meal. And I was starving. I just, I was trying to do intermittent fasting just to, so I could like be like, okay, throughout the day with food. And it really, I didn't even fit. It was like a little couples challenge that we did with this husband and wife fitness duo and it, I started binging as when I hired them. And so I, when I was binge eating, I was in Florida and still, you know, working out, but just had no control over food, like all Mm -hmm. or nothing mentality. If I, if Brian wanted a burger, like I would either get so mad at him and start a fight over it because he wanted a burger or he would get a burger and then I would have to get a burger and eat all fries and then go to go get dessert and then get some chips. Like it was a disgusting level of binge eating. Mm-hmm. That was a complete secret. No one, everyone at my job would come to me for fitness advice and my family would come to me for fitness advice. Little did they know I'm like leaving work and going straight to happy hour and getting, you know, just, I was just kind of like just numbing everything because of my food obsession with alcohol. Again, alcohol came back into my life because I was so unhappy with, you know, the way that food was controlling me. So after I got food my food, you know, and we can talk about my binge eating if you want, but I got that under control. And mm-hmm. after I got my binge eating under control, that really went. I was like, I wanna help women with food because I this is an issue, this is a problem. All women are in that restrictive mindset with eating and they're scared. Certain food groups, as was I. I was, you know, I was restrictive eating and then binge eating at night, restricting in the day, eating at, or binge eating at night, and it was just a vicious cycle that left me so depressed. And that's honestly the, the the biggest thing that motivated me was to try to help women be okay.
0: And when you, because like in my experience, when I have had binge eating issues, it's weird because when I had them is when I had the exact like I would say like goal body that I was attaining for. It was like when the times in my life when I've had like the worst binge eating is when I did finally like get a six pack. I finally got a six pack, but I would restrict myself so much. And then for like a whole day, I would have like ice cream, pancakes, frozen yogurt. And then like, I would still have like my dream body, but like mentally my relationship with food was just complete ass. Yeah. So it was like you just because like I had this gold body did not mean like mentally I was okay because even though I had it and I was like counting macros, trying to do everything like a healthy way, slow and steady. But at the same point, like I would be starving (laughs) and I would like make sure that I only had one day, one day where I could eat whatever I want with absolutely zero restrictions, not even just like a meal, but like a whole day. And like for me, that wasn't mentally, that's not something I had to like sit down and I was like, is this the way that I want to like live my life for like the next year? Yeah. Like, yes, no, I- yes. I have a six pack. It's great. It's cool. I love the fact that I can be this lean and do this, but like, is this really how I want to live my life or I can't go out with my friends unless it's on my designated day? Like, cause I won't oh, be able to control yeah. myself. So exactly. Uh, oh. Yeah. And looking back, like I definitely did have a great body
1: when I was binge eating, but then I gained the weight. Very, I gained a, I gained. Right. And I was like, then I was skinny fat, going to Target, shopping, like literally, I remember this, like it was yesterday. Like, and I, and I never, I didn't have the gold body that I wanted. I truly didn't because then I was, I was drinking a lot as well. So I wouldn't go to the gym. I would skip the gym and then go straight to happy hour and get smashed mm-hmm. at happy hour and eat everything and then go home and eat some more and then go for ice cream, eat some more. and. So I lost like any definition that I had so fast because I was, you know, drinking just puffs you up. You know, even if I wasn't binge eating, it was the drinking that really just puffed me up. And then I was hungover the next day. So I couldn't work out, go to the gym. And I remember just crying every single morning, getting dressed having to go to target and having my husband and I, cause he was the only one that knew what was going on behind closed doors, helping me pick out like the biggest oversized sweaters that I could to hide it because I was the fitness girl. I was where everyone came to for help. And I was struggling so bad gaining weight. Like my face was so puffy and I was never overweight, but I was definitely like, you weren't comfortable. I, 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 yeah, I was, I was comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable, but not on the inside. It's so messed up. Yeah. It was like, a mindfuck been doing.
0: And then how did you, since, okay, so how, let's, let's backtrack. Cause I want to ask you like how you translated that to your clients, but how did your client base start?
1: Yeah. So I, this was December, 2016. I, me and my husband took a Christmas photo and I, it was just on our phone and I looked at it and it, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I was like, I don't even, re- I was so much bigger than what I had been that I was like, this needs to end. I put on my sneakers that night at like nine o'clock at night and I went to our cardio room and I was like, today starts the day where I'm going to hit my macros. I gave myself macros. I didn't have a coach at the time, gave mm-hmm. myself macros. And I was like, I was binge watching Paul Rebellia. I don't know. you know Oh, was? I love him. <laughs> I was binge watching his YouTube because he, this was like, you know, 2016. So a while ago, and he was talking, he just had these little small YouTube videos.
0: And I love was, it. They're short and straight to the point. It's the point. Perfect. I learned so much.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I learned about metabolism through him mm-hmm. and how, you know, he had a specific video I was watching that night on the treadmill about it's, you know, about your metabolism and you, you can always get better. It doesn't, it's not like an all or nothing thing. If you did ruin your metabolism by restricting and binging and all that stuff. So I um, I to answer your question. Before I didn't have clients. When I was binge eating, I did not have clients. I started after I saw that picture of myself. I was like floored, and I was like, "Today is the day." And I like kind of coached myself and tracked every single macro to the T for a couple months, and got my carbs up because I was terrified of carbs. I hired Paul Revelia actually as my coach, Mm -hmm. and he took me um, from eighty grams of Carbs to 303 grams of carbs over a year, and I tracked my macros for every every single day, every single. I didn't go out to eat. It was very extreme. I needed to have that level of extreme tracking and consistency to get over my binge eating because I wasn't strong enough to just enter anything in. So with throughout like the time of me um, with Paul, I got my binge eating under control, and then I was like, okay, I want to start taking. Class. So I didn't start coaching online until I knew my binge eating was under control because I couldn't be, <coughs> excuse me, I couldn't be a hypocrite and take clients on if I couldn't walk the walk and and do and have the relationship with food that I wanted them to have. So after that's really you know after I figured out my own stuff with binge eating, then I was able to take on clients and teach them the ways that I was able to overcome binge. And honestly, it was really just through consistency and having fun with my food. If I craved something sweet, I would make something sweet in a more healthy way. Like Ezekiel Mm -hmm. bread French toast was my go-to. Every single day, I would have Ezekiel bread French toast for dinner because I would always have a sweet tooth at nighttime. So really just teaching my clients that you can have the things that you want, get that taste that you want but it doesn't have to be that same exact food. You can recreate that taste with healthier ingredients that fit your macros, give you that, you know, satisfaction and you know the food that satisfies you. So when you're done, you don't feel like you still want to rummage through your cabinets.
0: Exactly. That's one of the things is like your body knows when you're trying to like fake Or, like, give it something and it's, like, no, like, girl, I really wanted that dark chocolate. Like, I really wanted that one piece. And if you try and give yourself something else and it's, like, oh, like, I think this is the same thing. But, like, your body really knows if you're trying to cheat yourself. And then that's what will, like, make the binge, the binging come back. Exactly. But how did your metabolism from that year, were you able to build back up your metabolism? Like, would would you recommend macro counting and all that stuff? for that long of a period of time? A hundred percent, especially for someone that is in that
1: restrictive mindset and then binges maybe on the weekends or at night. That was me. I would restrict during the day. This was before I had clients again, but, um, but what the reason why I started to work on my metabolism was because I would restrict so much during the day. I just would not, I would skip breakfast for lunch or a snack. I would just have cucumbers and celery um, and then for lunch, I would have steamed edamame, 99% lean turkey and broccoli. Like I would just restrict, 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 and then binge eat at night. So when I knew that I want, I wanted, I'm a hungry person and I love, I'm such a foodie. I love food. So mm-hmm. I knew that the, what I needed to do through, you know, the education of Paul Ravelia and like Lane Norton, I knew I needed to speed up my metabolism. And so I knew I needed to actually eat more than I was, which terrified me because I, you know, everyone thinks that you need to eat less to lose weight. And I wanted to tighten up, but more importantly, I wanted to speed up my metabolism. So for someone that wants to speed up their metabolism, I highly recommend you have to track in my opinion, because you don't know what's going into your body. So how do you know if you're overeating or undereating when you're not, you don't know macronutrient wise, protein, carbs, and fats, calories, what's going into your body. You could be under eating, or you could just have your protein, carbs, and fats on the craziest, unrealistic, like you could have a super, super high fat diet with too low carb, too low protein, and that's not going to speed up your metabolism. So getting the right balance of your macros, but yeah, I truly, truly believe that if you want to speed up your metabolism, you need to first hire the expert expert coach to, to help you do that because it's not easy adding calories on your own. And secondly, you have to track so you know into your body. So you can, you can continue to raise your calories because that's how your metabolism gets fed up.
0: Not get the spinach and almonds. Is that what it was that you got from that one oh, coach? Yes. Yes. <laughs> dude, yeah.
1: Like that was, you're, that was my mindset was a raw spin? Like, yeah, like it was terrible.
0: That sounds disgusting.
1: <laughs> I remember it was so miserable and that's what made me start binge eating. So when you were strict and you treat your body like that, you go mm. absolutely crazy because you're just, you're not allowing the things that you want So you feel like you're never, ever going to have it again. So it's like free for all. I have to just go all in and eat all the things.
0: And how was it for you? Did you go straight from doing your customer service, TGI Fridays, to like jumping head first into entrepreneurship and then like building your own business? Or did you like slowly kind of acclimate yourself? It was
1: definitely. At least it was, I mean, it was slow, but it happened quick. Uh, so mm-hmm. at this point I was at uh, in Florida. So I was just working at a, I was an assistant manager at like a sales um, kind of office. They were, you know, I was doing like invoicing, accounting, kind of like everything that kind of I was on salary. So they definitely took a little bit advantage of me. So I was getting very burnt mm-hmm. out in my job, working way more. I was working overtime way more than 40 hours a week. And I was doing like four different positions in one and not getting paid what I should have gotten paid. So I wanted to start fitness coaching. And I actually, I don't know if you know this, I didn't, I didn't do it on my own. So I tried to like make posts and get engagement, but it wasn't working for me. Like it wasn't happening. I was just trying to copy what everybody else was doing at that time. And the the popular people back in 2016 were um, Emily Hayden, Amanda Bucci. It was like that tribe, like Randy Kennedy, yes. that those tribes were taking- They were a
0: freaking tribe. That's one of the, that's one of the, I don't know if I ever told you this, but that's one of the reasons that I know of you is because I was like obsessed with Amanda Bucci. When I first got into fitness and then I would follow her and follow her and follow her and then um, she progressively, like when she started teaching her online fitness coaches, I remember you were always one of the people that she would talk about. And for some reason I was like, I was like, this bitch is so real. I was like, there is something about this girl. Like, I didn't really, like, acknowledge, not, like, acknowledge, but I just didn't, like, relate to other people that she had talked to or, like, when she would share your stories about stuff. I was like, I don't know why, but I really like this girl. And I remember I went on your page and you lived in Florida. I was like, I'm going to follow her. So ever since then, that's literally why I followed you. I, <laughs> that's what, yeah, like, sparked it. Yeah, that's so funny because she's the – I mean, I tried to do the
1: whole, you know, fitness thing on, on social media by myself, and I just was getting nowhere because I was copying everybody else doing Mm -hmm. the butt pose and trying to look perfect and getting up super early and getting in a bikini. And that wasn't me. And it just clearly didn't resonate or my energy just wasn't in the right spot. I was just trying to copy. So I was sitting at my desk. I remember it like it was yesterday. This story is great. So like I was sitting at my desk and I was just so burnt out and I would be complaining. I would complain to my husband and to my mom. My mom and I are very close about my job and how I can't, ever since I was a child, I would tell my mother, I cannot sit at a desk my whole life. I will not have that job. And I didn't know what I was talking about, but I, I would say that to my mom, and she's like, okay, because my mom is in the corporate world. Like that's just like you know that's what I should have been doing was yeah. behind the desk, corporate. And I was miserable at my job. It was so life sucking. And one day I was on lunch, taking a walk because anything I could do to get out of the of the uh, of the office. And I called my mom, and I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. I can't. Imagine this being my life. Like, I'm 20, you know, six at the time. I was like, Am I supposed to, like, this is my life now? Like, working five days a week, nine to six, you know, eight to six, and like having two days off, like, that can't be life. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, close to tears. And then I get back to my desk after my lunch break. I see Amanda Bucci post a new YouTube video. And so I put on my headphones and I watch it. And it's her announcing her Influencer Academy. That's what it was called at the time, her very first round of it. And that moment immediately before I applied that day, but I sent it, I sent that video to my mom immediately because it was the weirdest thing. I was just talking to my mom five minutes prior about how I wanted to do fitness and I wanted to have my own business and I want to quit my job. And then I see this video about Amanda being a coach for fitness entrepreneurs, like a. Them how to do this, so I sent it to my mom, and my mom was like, Oh my god, she's speaking to you, you have to go Mm -hmm. for it. And so I applied, and I didn't tell Brian, my husband, um, because at this time, this was not a thing, like you know, like these girls in our eyes just got lucky, like it wasn't like being an entrepreneur was not a thing back, you know, at least in you know 2017, early 2017, it wasn't Mm -hmm. in my world at least. And so I applied, and um, I you know, got a phone call with her, and I told my husband, like I had, I had this phone call with Amanda Bucci and he just was not a fan. He was very against it actually. And I just went for it anyway. And I made the financial commitment by, I had no money, literally living paycheck to paycheck. My mom was paying my bills. My mom had to give me money to go. If I wanted a a hamburger, if Brian and I wanted to go out to eat, to get a hamburger, my mom would have to put $50 in my account. That's how broke we were. I had no, no, nothing to my name. And I took out a credit card the day that Amanda like approved me for the program, and I got approved, and it wasn't enough. So I took the only money that we had in savings, which was a thousand dollars, and I maxed out the credit card in one day, and I took out all of our savings one day, and left us with zero dollars in our account to pay for Amanda's program. And that is, and now I, you know, I made over six figures in my first year of business, um, and it was worth the huge, scary, petrifying risk.
0: But how terrifying was that for you in that moment?
1: Oh, I cried every single day.
0: For, every like, day. for like after you had like made the payment, made the investment, your mind. Um, every single day. Just every, like nervous and anxious about not making it back.
1: Not making it back and that this was a stupid decision that I was going to let. My fear was like letting Brian, my husband, and my mom down because – I took out, I mean, especially for my husband, it was like, you know, that's, this is our credit now, essentially. And my Mm -hmm. credit, you know, my credit at the time was atrocious. Like it was a, it was a godsend, a blessing that I even got approved for that credit card. And it was, this was not something, no one in my circle, like this was not something that people did that I knew, you know, it was just Mm -hmm. so new to me and I had tried it on my own before hiring Amanda. So I had huge imposter syndrome, so many limiting beliefs that I could do this. And I was just so scared that I wasn't gonna make the money back that I just wasted all this money and I'm a fool out of myself and it's just all for nothing. And I I cried it was absolutely petrifying. The scariest thing I'm a very safe person. I used to be a safe person
0: mm-hmm.
1: not taking any risk and that was absolutely petrifying.
0: And then what I guess like what was the moment like during like the program when you started, when you flipped your like scarcity mindset and were like, okay, I'm going to make this back?
1: I think it was when I started doing my meal prep posts. I, every single Sunday, I was like, I spent this money and I showed the F up. Like I, Mm -hmm. I gave this program and this is why I was so successful. I gave this program my everything, my life. I woke up at five, in the morning. I started a YouTube channel because I love cooking and I wanted to, at that time, I really did look up to Amanda and all of those girls, that tribe of girls. They all had their YouTube channel. So I was like, I want to be that. I want to have a YouTube channel. So I started a vlog immediately. So I would wake up at 5 a.m. and I would start vlogging and I would be editing and I would go to work. I just worked my ass off and mm-hmm. I started meal prepping and sharing my recipes and I... My very first meal prep Sunday post was, you know, on my Instagram story showing all of my recipes. I was so scared to go on my Instagram story and talk about my food because I was so insecure about what my friends from high school would be saying, what my coworkers Mm. would be saying, like, "Who the hell is she doing this? This is so weird." And I just like ignored all of that kind of like limiting belief because I wanted this so bad, and I had a my very first prep post go viral. And, um, after it going viral and seeing the response that people were having about my recipes and how much they loved them and how I'm helping people lose weight from my recipes, that's when it clicked. And I was like, I got something here. Like I, I can do this. Like I, I just started to believe in myself.
0: And that was from a meal prep YouTube video. Uh,
1: it was, uh, it was a YouTube I did it on YouTube as well as Instagram. I did it kind of both okay this. But yeah, my very first like actual picture post that I did, like my very first meal prep Sunday on Instagram went viral and I just got hundreds of followers immediately, thousands of likes, so much engagement. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like it kind of like just validated me because before I was trying to figure out my niche and when I was good at my zone of genius was, you know, workout videos or selfies or like, what am I good at? And then the very first time I did like my cooking post and having such an amazing response I was like this feels right this is what I love teaching about and I think because I loved cooking I love cooking so much people could see my passion through my Instagram stories through my posts and they didn't want to put the phone down because I was so passionate it was like electric and, and
0: authentic that, you weren't just like repeating what you it, have seen yeah exactly and that
1: translated into confidence because I was, when you're passionate about something and you speak about it, you're confident in that area. And mm-hmm. I just think that confidence really made people believe in what I was doing. Like once I kind of found my zone of genius through cooking and nutrition and like kind of like hack, macro hacks and stuff like that, that's when I was like, wow, like I can do this. Like I gained so much confidence by finding my, my niche.
0: And what are You mentioned um, imposter syndrome, and I find this to be really interesting to talk about, especially as starting a business and being an entrepreneur, because I feel like two of the things that stop people from starting a business is the fact that somebody's already done it. So why do they, like, they're just going to be replicating something that somebody's already done. It's going to make them insecure. Like, okay, I feel like I'm just going to be copying exactly what they're saying. And then the fact that somebody feels as though they don't know 100% of the information to teach it to somebody else. 100%, yeah. And, and I, like with, with like fitness coaching, I feel like that's a great example is because there are tons of fitness coaches. So how did you get yourself in the right mindset to say, you know what, like I don't have to be 100% expert. Like I don't have to be Wikipedia in order to, in order to teach these people how to change their bodies, how to not binge eat all of that sort and create a business around it.
1: Yeah, I just I did a lot of research so I was educated, but then I also mm-hmm. I struggled with the things that I wanted to help people overcome and I had overcome them personally through different things that I had to do through journaling, like tr- through little things that like thinking of my future self, like little things that like if you google how to stop binge eating, you might not find like j- like you know j- like a, a three step concrete process because it's different for everybody, so I think just stepping outside of my own head and thinking like, well, who am I to coach people when I used to binge eat or these things? But you know, telling my story and being vulnerable—I was from the beginning always very comfortable with telling my story and being vulnerable. And you, I, in my opinion, like it. Yes, education, like you need that education, but it's. Kind of, I would rather learn from somebody that has, has done something that I want to achieve, and they can teach me how. Did it rather than just like a Wikipedia answer as to how to do something. Mm-hmm. It's like that real world, like your opinion on something. And you, if it's your opinion, you're not wrong. And that's what I tell my clients. I'm doing business coaching now, which I know we're, we're going to talk about. But yes. a lot of people struggle with like, well, what if I'm not 100 percent right? But it's like, if you, there mm-hmm. is no or like with with nutrition. Or, or like, with- what
0: if I don't know the answer? Like, what if I don't know the answer every single time? What if they ask me something and I don't know the exact correct answer to give them? Like right. Honest. You, know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. A your opinion, like your opinion is so
1: valid and then, you know, speak your opinion and then do some research about it. But the research that you're reading is just somebody else's opinion. So it's just kind of like, what do you believe to be true? And that's, I really stepped into my opinion on things. I started doing rants and just like left, like it just had this no bullshit approach about like, this is my following. This is my Instagram. This is my social media. This is what I believe about nutrition and health and fitness and all of that. So as long as I give my opinion on it and I'm passionate and and confident in my opinion, then who can tell me I'm wrong because this is what I believe. So fuck off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, so did you did you ever have the idea when you started your, um, when you started to become a fitness coach that you wanted to eventually teach people how you built your business or was that after your success with your fitness coaching? Well, it was, so this, I don't know if if you know my
1: kind of trajectory into business coaching. So I, um, was able to quit my full-time job in three months. Like at the end of Amanda's program was a three month program. And I was able to quit my job in three months. And because of the success that I had in my coaching business, and I was, you know, making good money and growing Amanda actually hired me as a coach to under her, um, for the influencer Academy. So I was in the influencer Academy, the very first round. And then she hired me as a coach. And then for the second, third, and I think fourth round, I was a coach under her. So I started coaching her students on the things that I did, what made me successful. And teaching these students gave me so much life because I saw the fear that I had in them I was like, you guys look though, like, look what's possible. If you just ditch all that fear and say, screw it and stop being worried about what everyone else is thinking, your friends and your coworkers and your past friends and all these things. Cause that's the biggest thing. It's the biggest limiting belief I see is just like, what are people going to think of me? And do I know what I'm talking about? And I was able to help through that because, you know, I did it with Amanda. So after I started coaching a ton of Amanda students, I was like, wow, I, I need to, to step into this because I want people to create the life that I created for myself. It was just that I created the freedom that I want, that I wanted in my life. And you know, it's like when you're unhappy in your body, you want to fix that to be confident. And I fixed that in my body, but then I was very unhappy in my job and I fixed that and I stepped into fitness coaching and I wanted to help people in all areas like kind of fix their body into getting a body that they love, but also help people get out of that life sucking job that they hate because it's very emotionally draining and can be very depressing. And I so after coaching under her, that's really what sparked my passion to help people on my own.
0: And when did you start doing the business coaching?
1: Uh, well, so that's a hard question because I was doing it with Amanda In 2017 and then I would very organically get my own um, people reaching out to me on Instagram just asking me for business advice because they saw me on Amanda's Amanda Mm -hmm. would you know talk about me I was you know going to her retreats and her her live events Um, so it was like in 2017 when it started but the beginning of this year 2019 is when I actually because I was doing it kind of like with organic um, people reaching out to me organically and some of Amanda's past students coming to me for like one-on-one business coaching. And that was 2017, 2018, but fitness coaching was always my main you know, priority because I was almost kind of nervous to make that switch and I didn't know how to juggle the two. So I would just kind of like be kind of silent about the business coaching side because I didn't want to confuse people. And then in 2019, I was like, you know what? I, I need to follow my heart and what I really, really enjoy teaching. And fitness is fitness and nutrition is always gonna be a thing of mine. I'm always I feel like I'm always gonna have some type of fitness client because I love helping people in the in the fitness and nutrition space. But I just felt this like soul calling and pulling me towards business coaching. And so I was I was scared. I hired another coach because I kind of wanted that safety net of like someone to hold me accountable and so I to coach. Mm-hmm. Biggest investment I had ever made. I had to take out a business, a business loan because it was such a big investment. And um, I told her what I wanted to do. I wanted to start business coaching and still do fitness on the side. And I needed that accountability to kind of like hold me to that. So in 2019 is when I really announced it to social media and then it blew up from there.
0: So you went through two, you went through the Amanda Bucci program, hiring her as a coach. And then in 2019, you hired another coach. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I was also when, when i when I was working under Amanda a coach, she was also there to be my mentor. You know, I could, if mm-hmm. I had a question, I could ask her. So it was like, I always had Amanda, um, for a long time actually as, as a coach. So I've, you know, I had her for a while helping me and coaching me and just like be, having that support system. And then, um, you know, for to a good amount of 2018, I didn't have a coach and my, I kind of, my business, I was getting very burnt out with fitness coaching, but I was also competing for a bikini competition. So I just, with such selfish sport as, you know, bodybuilding is my business, you know, I didn't put too much effort into fitness coaching in my honest opinion. And, you know, 2018 during my bikini prep. Um, But yeah. So I, I, after, after being with Amanda and then, you know, separating ways with her and really wanting to do my own thing, I hired another coach because I believe in coaching. I believe in the power of coaching. And I think all the best coaches have coaches. And every time I've hired a coach, I've leveled up in amazing ways. So in 2019, January 1st, I started with a new coach and started officially business coaching.
0: Right. And it's like, it's the account. It's not even, it's not even like just the accountability, but it, for me, cause I invested in a business coach, um, when I started my business, cause I was like, there was a lot of things happening in my life. And I know, I knew that nobody around me would understand why I was doing what I was doing. And I needed to talk to somebody who wasn't going to judge me for it. And so that's why I, that's one of the reasons why I hired a coach, but, um, uh, it's not even just the accountability, but just having someone to talk to, having yes. someone to talk to that understands exactly what you're going through and that who isn't your mom. That's what I always told my business coach like my mom, like she does keep it real with me, but at the same time, she's my mom and she's going to say things, you know, she's going to always make sure that I feel good, but like, I need somebody who's going to be like, Hey, get your shit together.
1: Yeah. And not a lot of people understand social media entrepreneurship. So it's like talking to my mom or even my husband, like they, it's just, it's a different world, different marketing. It's, it's Mm -hmm. different. And I don't know, well, now I know people that are entrepreneurs, but back, you know, when I was running my business, no one, I could relate to nobody. No one understood what I was doing in my circle. So I really needed that community and that coach who knew what I was going through and had done it already. The success that I wanted, she, they had already accomplished. So I feel like you need to be hiring somebody that has the success you want to accomplish. And, and just that safety net, like if you're worried Mm -hmm. about launching something or stepping into fitness coaching, stepping into business coaching or anything like that, raise your prices or whatever, coming out with the course, having a safety net, having someone double check your work. And is this a good idea? It makes all the difference and gives it an extra confidence.
0: And what, how do you um, align your program, your coaching program? Do you only teach fitness coaches, how, like any type of coach, any like service provider? What yeah, do do any, any
1: service provider, uh, really. You know, I do kind of I, I push out my my content more towards fitness coaches because my program is i want to help fitness coaches become better fitness coaches because there are so many bad ones out there i mean we right. all know about the current scandals going on right now and it's just really sad what people do just to make a quick buck and um i something the reason why the main reason why i wanted to really start fitness coaching or business coaching i'm sorry was because through me being in Amanda's program and through me hiring my other business coach, I saw something was missing in business coaching for fitness entrepreneurs. Nobody was teaching the fitness entrepreneur how to operate on the back end of the business. So, how to do client check-ins? How to even set up client check-ins? How to do your application, your questionnaire? How to set up your Google Calendar, invoicing, uh, contracts? Like there was like just calculating macros. Like there was never any education on. Um, back end stuff. So like mm-hmm. all I would see was that these coaches were teaching all the front end social media glamorous stuff that everyone thinks that they need to have a business. But then what happens when you get a client? What happens when you get that DM that says I want to hire you and you don't even know what your prices should be or it's just nobody was teaching the back end of it. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm a i am have a well built machine right now with my fitness coaching. So I want to help other wannabe fitness entrepreneurs and current fitness entrepreneurs, fitness coaches. Is learn how to have a well-oiled machine of a business so that you're not trading time for money. Because at the beginning of my business, I didn't know how to like manage my time and do client check-ins in a timely manner and, and all that kind of stuff. So I was working hours and hours and hours and I was so burnt out. And then I finally, on my own, had to figure out a system to work a couple hours a day while still making the same, if not more, So I just really wanted I saw a missing link in in the business coaching. And so I wanted to come out with a program that showed you how to get more followers and do all the social media marketing stuff, but also how to run your business on the back end, the stuff that nobody sees, what makes a good coach on the back end and mesh- meshing them with it too. So that's really what motivated me um, to start my business, my coaching business.
0: Yeah. And not just like the glamorous side, because I feel like that's what makes it so glamorous. Like, oh my God, this person literally gets to like take photos for a living or whatnot. It's like, oh. you. That's a, that's a tiny little piece. That's like an hour of it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not even the entire gist of it. And so I feel like also like investing in a program like that really shows you like This is what it takes in order to have not just like a make a quick buck, but to actually have a business that's going to be efficient and that's going to allow you to be a business owner rather than just an Instagram booty plan. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) On
1: the back end, and because it gets very overwhelming, especially. If you start to get a lot of clients all at once, like how do you do that? Or if you want to run a challenge, like how do you run a challenge? What does that look like on the back end with your check-ins and mm-hmm. and all that? No one taught me no one was teaching these these things in the in the programs that I was in. So I want I really I saw that need to just make fitness coaches better coaches and help them with clients. And if they had a question as for, you know, what nutrition is set up for this client or how to run this challenge, I want to help them in all areas of their business. Not just let's get you more followers. Let's figure out, you know, who your ideal client is. Like, no, there's so much more that goes into that.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what do you, from your experience, what are the top thing or things that stop people from starting their businesses or from taking that scary leap? fear of the unknown and just sitting
1: in that and not wanting to get over fear because you need to get over the fear to see what's on the other side rather than just thinking of the worst that can happen we always go towards the what's the worst thing that can happen and we never think of the best thing that could happen when we're Mm -hmm. when we're trying to jump into something or invest in something it's like i really want to this, but this, this, and this, rather than I really want to do this. And oh my gosh, what if this happens? It's never that. It's always, but what if I don't make the money? What if someone makes fun of me? What if I get a client that doesn't see results? It's all these like crazy, crazy things that you make up in your head that paralyzes you. And you think that you have to have everything done in order to start even speaking about what you want to be doing. So my biggest piece of advice for like my clients that come to me, because I work with already established fitness coaches that want to grow and scale and make more money, work less hours. And I also work with people who want to start their coaching business. And the biggest piece of advice I give the people who want to start is it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be done. You have to just get the message out there that you know what you're talking about, that you are a fitness coach, because you have to Trust. You can go on Instagram right now and say, "Hey, I'm accepting clients," but realistically, if that's the first time you're offering it. No one's gonna bite because they need to trust you. You have to put out that trust first. So, announce your coaching. Start putting out informational content. Educate them. Show your passion. Show your zone of genius. Announce your coaching and say that you have coaching available. And then on the back end of, of things, when no one sees what's going on, start to do your packages and all the back end stuff. But it's gonna take a little while to build that trust before you start to, you know, get paying clients. So done, it doesn't have to be done. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to just have that desire and just go all in with it and jump right in.
0: Right. And then keep reminding people about it. That's one of the things that like stopped me is like, I was afraid that it would be like selfish for me to continue to talk about my business or what I was doing. But like, if you don't talk about it, like, how are people going to (laughs) know? Like, how are they going to know? Do you expect them to remember just the one time you mentioned it that week? Like, no, keep reminding them over and over and over again. It's not going to be
1: annoying because you don't, with the algorithm, you don't even know who's seeing your post right now. So Mm -hmm. it's like the algorithm, I just read something, only 10% of your feed sees the, sees your post when you're posting until it gets, level of engagement. So you really never know what that, who that 10% is. It could, if you announce your coaching and talk about it one day, a completely new audience of your following could see mm-hmm. it the next day, or if someone aren't, isn't watching your story. So don't be scared about being repetitive because you never know, first of all, who's watching it. And second, when someone, when it's going to be the time that someone's like, yes, it is time. For me. You know, you, sometimes you need to keep talking about it to continue to just build that like
0: interest in people. And another thing, this is completely random, but it goes along with that. I saw something about Instagram is potentially going to start taking away likes and it's only going to allow it. Um, One of the, I'm friends with a social media specialist in Tampa and she's super friendly. She's like, she's a foodie, but she also works as a social media specialist for the John, John Hopkins All Children Hospital. And so she always posts all the social media news. And it was talking about like how Instagram was going to potentially take away the likes from viewers, but it will allow you to see. Like if someone likes your photo, it'll tell you how many people see it, but it won't tell viewers how many people because it wants them to start like acknowledging, it wants people to start acknowledging um, engagement. And, like, try to engage in it rather than look at a photo just for how many likes it has. I like, like it. I could see, like, I would say, like, I would personally really like this. like, you would personally still know, right. but other people wouldn't just like it because a thousand other people did or something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah. No, people get very obsessed with the likes and also the following count, which, like, that's another thing that paralyzes people is mm-hmm. that they think, like, they don't have followers. I had 600 followers that were all just family, friends from high school, friends from college, like nobody that would buy my stuff. I had 600 followers. And if you think about it, like 600, like I started my business in that way. And I was able to quit my job in three months from that You know, number going like up a little bit, nothing crazy. But if I, you can get 10 clients out of 600, like that's so possible. Mm-hmm. So when people come to me, like I have 200 followers. I'm like, can you get 10 people? Out of that 200, like hell yeah, you can. So let's get to work. It has that's, nothing to
0: do with the number, right? It's that's 200 opportunities. Like yeah. you have the opportunity 200 times <laughs> to nail yeah. one client if you think about it in that perspective.
1: Yeah, exactly. The number is just a number, and you can't help 200, 600, a million people anyway. So who cares?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Revival Podcast. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review letting me know your thoughts. And do not forget to head to revivalbyjack.com to see just what all of the hype is about.